Blog Talk Radio. Trek Talking. All things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30. All hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking. Boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. Blog Talk Radio. Talking with Leslie 
uh, about uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Rocks and Shoals. Uh, we were going to talk about that last week, but we had a little mishap, and that's okay. So we're going to continue that conversation tonight. And also, you can visit Leslie on our Facebook page at the Leslie Hoffman Appreciation Organization uh, fan page on Facebook. And you can go there and you can ask Leslie any questions that you like. She's always checking the page, and she will answer you back personally. And if you have any questions that you'd like to ask on air, you can do that as well. And one of the, well, two of the topics that we're going to talk about tonight were brought up on the Leslie Hoffman Appreciation Organization fan page. And one of those topics was MASH. Yes, Leslie was on MASH. And also the movie Airplane, Leslie was in that as well. And we're going to have with us Charles, one of my co-hosts from Trek Talking. He's going to be on to chat a little bit with us and with Leslie about MASH and Airplane. So you guys want to stay tuned for that as well. And if you're enjoying this show, and if you enjoy Trek Talking, which is on Thursday nights, and if you also enjoy Comic Corner, which is on the second Monday of the month, then please go to Patreon backslash Trek Talking and think about becoming a patron. We could really use your support and bringing you great shows like this, and we'd love to have you as part of our family. So think about that. Make sure you go to our Facebook page and like and follow us so you never miss a show. So with that, let's just dive right in. I believe we have Charles on the line with us right now. Are you with us, Charles? I'm here. I've been listening. You've been listening. And so um, (laughs) I know that um, uh, you and Leslie had a really nice conversation on the Facebook page, but I thought it would be better to share that conversation and those questions live with the fans around the globe rather than just on the Facebook page. So um, that's why I thought it would be a great idea for you to come on and ask Leslie those questions live and in person. And uh, before we get started, the phone number here is 646-668-2433. We're live with Leslie every Sunday night from 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time or Pacific Coast Time, if you're like uh, Charles. Um, And you can give us a call at 646-668-2433 and ask Leslie any question. That, That burning question that you've just been dying to know, Leslie can answer that for you. So give us a call, 646-668-2433. I have faith that you'll call. So, Charles, uh, what what uh, were you and Leslie talking about in relationship to MASH? Well, actually, the whole topic started off with that you mentioned on the last show, airplanes. And I thought, oh, that's one of my cult favorites. And I was curious what Leslie had done on the airplane. That's a good question. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> what what I did what, in the Leslie's, airplane Leslie's was... done everything that you could possibly <laughs> think of in any movie. So I'm sure <laughs> that uh, other, got other than stories about airplanes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Actually, actually, I take that back. Not that I, not that I was in a porno. I was in a soft porn movie right at the very beginning. Well, I didn't even have my union card yet, and it was called The Amorous Adventures of Don Quixote, or it also was called Super Night. But, but I was, 
I had my clothes on. Don't worry. <laughs> I don't want to ruin my reputation. I there were no nude scenes with me. I was I was in the cantina with with uh the other well, you know, the Don Quixote story. So I was in the tavern, but believe me <laughs> there were no nude scenes. <laughs> anyway, oh. back to airplane. <laughs> now that I'm airplane. <laughs> Um, at the very beginning of the movie, um, I forget what the question is, but there's there are two guys on the tarmac, and one guy asks the other guy who has those wands, you know, he's waving in the plane where something is, and and he says something like, you know, over there, and he waves the wands in a different direction, and the plane. Uh, the nose of the plane goes through the terminal glass window, and there's about 20-plus stunt people or 20 people in the terminal as this the head of the plane comes through the terminal glass window, and we're all jumping out of the way. If you go to uh, the Facebook um, page, uh, there I already forgot, there's... I think there's a still shot where where you know I'm able to identify myself, and then I think I also put in a clip from the movie, so you can see you know the head of the plane coming through the window and everyone jumping out of the way. Um, anyways, uh, the way that was done, that was done on a soundstage, and there was a flatbed truck. They had built the nose of a plane on the truck the truck and on ac- and you know and then they built the terminal you had the glass you had us on the other side uh and on the action the actually the stunt coordinator i believe was driving the truck put it in reverse and and backed the truck backwards which would have the nose of the plane into the glass breaking it and then the the twenty plus stunt people jumping out of the way, and that's how they did that scene from Airplane. Now, Leslie, when you when you say the the glass, um, we uh, we hear a lot as amateurs like Charles and I that they use sugar glass. They don't actually use plate glass. Is that true, or was that actually a plate glass window? Uh, I honestly don't remember. Um, but that isn't that actually is a very interesting question. Uh, the I have been in movies where they have used actually tempered glass because it breaks into beads, you know, like safety glass in a car. It breaks into beads. But I've also been on shows where, you know, originally the reason they called it candy glass was it was made out of caro syrup but but they've actually gone one step further and now it's um it's a synthetic it's a you know I, I don't know if you would call it plastic but but it it's not can't believe me you would not want to eat the the breakaway bottles <laughs> or windows that they have nowadays so so uh, in answer to your question, I don't remember if if uh, the terminal glass windows, I assure you that they weren't 
real glass, but I don't know if they were tempered glass or candy glass or the synthetic glass, you know, the breakaway glass. And and just one thing about it is people think you cannot get hurt with with the breakaway glass. It's still sharp. I mean, if you fall on top of breakaway glass, you're going to get cut. So even something that, that you think, oh, you know, you're not going to get hurt or you're going to be safe with it, not true. You're still going to get little nicks and cuts. Just, I mean, you're not going to get a shard of glass in you, but <laughs> but you, if you can get cut up. So, was there any other stunts that you did in that movie, Airplane? No, that that was the only stunt um, I was in, in in Airplane. But the stunt coordinator, his name is Conrad Palmazano, and um, I worked for him. <laughs> the brain, the brain has just died on me. But uh, I've worked for Conrad. He's hired me on other shows as well. But uh, Actually, now that I think of it, is that uh, I was actually back in New York visiting my parents when I got the call from Conrad. You know, do you would you like to work on? Well, in fact, they ne- they don't necessarily tell you what show it is. They call you up and they say, "Oh, I have this stunt happening on the 24th. Uh, you just have to maybe dive out of the way or or." They may not even tell you what it is if it's something really simple. You know, would you would you be interested in working on the 24th or something? And I was in New York at that time, and luckily I was going to be back in Los Angeles in time for the job. And I said, "Oh yes," <laughs> or or maybe maybe I should have been a little more. Uh, uh, well, let me check my calendar and see if that date is open. Uh, yes, I guess I could make it, as opposed to, you bet! <laughs> <laughs> um, did you get a chance to work with Leslie Nielsen at all, or or, or uh, hang out with him in the, well, now, see, in the green room or whatever? This is, this is, <laughs> well, we I I forget if we, we were talking about the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. I don't know if that was you and I just writing back and forth to each other. Is on airplane, no, I did not work with Leslie Nielsen. But on Naked Gun, yes, I did work with Leslie Nielsen very closely. Um, now we're going off into a different movie. Is that uh, so all day long? They're going Leslie to the set. You know, well, we're we're all on the on the sound stage, sitting at at uh, it was the banquet uh, in the original Naked Gun. So so anyone who wasn't working was sitting in chairs, you know, waiting for their scene to happen. And well, I say all day long they're going Leslie to the set, and you know it was it was Leslie Nielsen that they're calling. But then, then they're getting ready to do the slide down the banquet table where Queen Elizabeth gets tackled by Leslie Nielsen. And they go, Leslie, to the set. And Leslie Nielsen walks up to me and says, Leslie, 
that's a nice sounding name. And I I couldn't think of a snappy comeback. And I go, all I could do was say, I think so, Leslie. <laughs> and plus, our names are spelled exactly the same, L-E-S-L-I-E. So, so yes, I... I I definitely had a conversation with Leslie Nielsen, but not on airplane, on Naked Gun. Charles, did you have any other question you wanted to ask Leslie about working well, with Leslie? Well, she and I had a fun conversation going on because she gave me some history on the movie that I didn't know about. As everybody else, I always thought Airplane was kind of loosely based on the airport movies. And Leslie said, and Leslie turned around and said, oh, by the way, it's actually not based on airport movie. It's actually based on a 1957 movie called Zero Hour. And she showed me the... And she showed me the, and she linked the video to compare the two movies. I was so fascinated by it that I actually found the movie on Google Play and watched it. And Leslie is absolutely correct. That movie, that movie was such a lawsuit on how much they took out of Zero Hour and put it in Airplane. Yeah, actually, the the production company from Airplane paid money to that production company, the 1957 production company, just so um, it was all above board, you know, that, that they couldn't yeah. come and sue Airplane for plagiarizing their movie. I mean, they, they knew that they were doing a parody of that movie. Yeah. So they they paid in advance, and uh, I, as Charles was saying, I think people remember Airplane a lot more than they remember this other movie. And and the and the and the original movie was a drama. It wasn't a you know it wasn't supposed to be funny. No, but it's interesting when some of the lines are coming out. It's like. Okay, I'm saying the lines word for word on zero hour. And it's like, okay, yeah, but that's the exact line that they used on airplane. It's like, it was right. fascinating. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, people will say, um, like, have you done a dramatic stunt? Or, you know, what dramatic stunts have you done? And And it's... Just like dialogue, it depends on what the situation is. You can do a stair fall um, in a in a you know a horror movie or mystery movie, and it's very dramatic. But you could do a stair fall in a comedy. It could be the same exact stair fall, and people where people like say in the drama movie will go. Oh! I mean, people watching the comedy movie, watching the same exact stunt, <laughs> will be laughing their heads off. Mm-hmm. So, so as you say, <clears throat> lines were exactly the same, but in the 1957 movie, it was a drama. In, in Airplane, it was a comedy, and people are laughing at the lines. 
Uh-oh. Which, which Uh-oh, one of you needs to drink water? <laughs> Me. Oh. <laughs> so that so then we got into I think I think you brought up Mash. Yeah, well, and that's, actually, that's perfect. When uh, we have to take a station identification break right now, but when we get back, Leslie's going to share some of her stories about Mash. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Eric from Trek Talking here to invite you to join us for the best science fiction themed podcast on the internet. Our elite team of Trexperts are here to discuss Star Trek and related sci-fi content, and we want to hear from you. Call into the show Thursday nights from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. on the East Coast, and we'll get you on the air to share your opinions. We have faith that you'll call. And we're back on Stunt Treks, episode number three with Leslie Hoffman, and we're talking about MASH. So, uh, Charles, what did you want to ask Leslie about in relationships to MASH? I just want to hear more stories on the episode, and I also want to hear Harry Morgan's story again. Oh, okay. Well, um, I got called to work on an episode of MASH called the MASH Olympics where um, Colonel Sherman Potter felt that the the doctors and nurses weren't physically fit, so he decided to have this MASH Olympic to get everybody back into shape or at least to get the competition, whatever, going. And um, I was in the crutch race where where Loretta Swift had to, was, you know, <laughs> hey, the script says hot lips win, so <laughs> I I came in second. I there's that clip is on uh the web pages or the Facebook page as well. Um but I could have easily beaten her, but <laughs> I wanted to get paid for that day, so I I threw the race. <laughs> it was rigged. Then the other thing <laughs> What's that? It was rigged. Oh. Right, it was a rigged race. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I had to let Hot Lips win. Um, then there was this piggyback race, and uh, the person, well, the person that I'm on top of is also a stuntman, and and it's just that uh, we had to do a fall. But uh, MASH was filmed out at the 20th Century Fox Ranch in uh, Malibu, so... So, um, well, I don't know if people are familiar with with the freeways or the um, geography, but you you go up. For me, I would go up uh, north on the 101, and then cross on Los Virgenes towards the ocean, and and that's where the 20th Century Fox Ranch is. And that's where uh, they used to film Nash. So, so anyways, uh, I went out there, and like I say, we we did the crutch race, we did the piggyback race. Um, probably in between the stunts, I you know I can't remember the day minute for minute, but uh, 
they had called for lunch, and I'd gotten my tray. They had, uh, you know, long wooden tables. And I sit down at the end of a table by myself to have to have lunch. And I hear this voice say, can I have lunch with you? And as I turn around and to say, yes, <laughs> it's, it's Harry Morgan. It's Colonel Potter wanted to have lunch with me. It's like they're just some... They're just some amazing, wonderful actors out there that that are not snooty or when they're not needed on the set, they're in their dressing room or something like that. For for Harry Morgan to ask me, "Can I have lunch with you?" It was it it was just so shocking. What a wonderful memory. I mean, I don't remember what we necessarily talked about at lunch, but we just had a lovely lunch together. Just the two of us that day. Uh, Leslie, um, when you were on the set of MASH, is it as crazy and wild uh, in between the scenes and on the set as it as it is on the show? Or were they as crazy and wild and funny, or was that all just for the cameras? And they were they were pretty serious. No, people. that actually that that's a very good question. Is uh, for MASH, there there was the basic script but uh there was ad libbing and there was there was jokes going whether the camera's on uh the the you know Alan Alda and and um Loretta Swift there was there was some or Jamie Farr there was something going on even when the cameras weren't on. They they it 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 was just a set that um I mean, they got the episode filmed, but boy, they they definitely played in between. And and like I say, they would ad lib. I mean, you know, the script, like I say, would talk about okay, there's a piggyback race, and and whichever actor would say, okay, I'd like to do this. You know, I want during the piggyback race, I'd like to do this, or or the they had that rubber chicken. That that was an ongoing joke. Like I say, on film and off film. <laughs> so no, it was it was a very fun set to work on. Everyone was really happy on that set. Did you get a chance to uh to chat with Jamie Farr at all? Was he was he as crazy in person as he comes off on as Klinger? No, I when when I got into the business I decided um, that I would not, as much as I love certain actors or, or to be impressed to be working with a certain actor, I decided that they need their personal space. Maybe that's the best way to say it. And I'm not going to go up to an actor and say, Oh, you know, I just loved you in this, or or can I take my picture with you, or or, you know, they 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 have enough of that, and and so no no I had no personal contact with Jamie Farr, um, but like I say, I just observing the day. They 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 are <laughs> stealing stealing a line from. SNL, they are wild and crazy guys. 
Charles, did you did you have any questions you wanted to ask Leslie about MASH? No, just fascinating story that just to be stepping on foot on that property would have been fascinating. That show just made so much history in its time. Yeah. So, Leslie, well, when I, you were on when you were on MASH, um, were the opening sequence when the helicopters fly over and you see all the tents and with the with the medical symbol on the top and they, the helicopter lands and radar and they all come running up. Was, was that all a standing set or was that was it built somewhere else and that was just uh, the opening of the episode? Mm, I'm trying to. I mean, they they. They they kept using that scene, you know, at the beginning. As you say, that's that's the opening scene, so it doesn't get filmed over and over again. They just, you know, like I say, they use that that scene. But I'll tell you something about that scene. When you see that helicopter actually leaving the hospital, something happened and the helicopter crashed. Luckily, no one died, but... Uh, there was an accident with that helicopter. Oh, I didn't. I never heard that. Yeah, I mean, I I know the stuntman that was, I guess, one of the bodies. You know, those, those side things where where you put the uh, patients. Um, uh, his name was Eddie Smith, uh, and he was in this helicopter as it's leaving. Uh, you know, like I say, the scene is the helicopter leaving, and and something went wrong, and and down went the helicopter with with Eddie Smith in the well, not in the helicopter, but on the side of the helicopter. Wow, that's yeah, no, it's, wow, yeah, no, it's it's helicopters to me are probably one of the most dangerous stunts or things to be around. Um, I don't remember the movie. I'd have to look it up or try to find it. But a director was being transported to a set. I mean, this is a true story. A director was being transported to a set. He gets out of the helicopter. Instead of walking just straight away from the helicopter or, or to the front of the helicopter, he walks behind the helicopter and the tail rotor just chopped him to pieces. Oh. Oh. Yeah. And I did a stunt, or I was in a helicopter on a very short-lived, in fact, I don't know if they did episodes. Maybe maybe I was only in the pilot and the pilot aired and (laughs) nobody liked it and that was the beginning and the end of it. But um, I was in a helicopter on a show called Maserati in the Brain, and this car was supposed to, I don't remember what made the car explode or whatever, uh, but that, you know, I'm I'm talking about the script part of it. Uh, But the way they used to make the car roll over was called a cannon, and it literally is a cannon. And they put a piece of telephone pole in the bottom of the car or in the cannon and and what the guy does is he turns the wheel, he presses the button, uh, the piece of wood comes down, hits the ground and it flips the car over. 
Well, while they were rigging the car, um, you know, in other words, no one was driving the car. The car wasn't moving. They're just making the cannon live. In other words, they're connecting the wires together. It goes off, and the piece of wood comes out, hits the ground, and the car kind of jumps up and down. And what they – this is what I think they did wrong. Is So they take the same piece of wood, they reload it into the cannon, and now we're ready to do the stunt. So, so here's the helicopter over the top of this car that's supposed to flip over. The car flips over. Well, he – the guy, you know, triggers the cannon. And when the piece of wood came out the second time, it it splintered, it shattered, and sent shards of wood up into the helicopter. And And I was unaware of it, and so was the other passenger, but the helicopter pilot knew. He was, he's, he's one of the top helicopter pilots, knew something had happened, and... And we kind of landed with like a bump. I mean, not not a crash, but a, just a little more bump than we had done in the other shots. And he gets out of the helicopter and proceeds to show us that the rotors of the helicopter had been bent by these pieces of wood that went up into the into the rotors. So that's what I'm saying. Helicopters are just totally dangerous. Um, on the Airwolf, uh, there was a helicopter crash that that killed the pilot and the young stuntman. I mean, you, you can actually, you see the scenes where helicopters and people are hanging on the rope ladders? You can actually pull a helicopter out of the air. You know, when, when you're doing a stunt like that, I mean, I've never done that stunt, but but I mean, you just can't even yank on a helicopter without the possibility of something going wrong. And then, I, for people who remember, is the Twilight Zone incident. You know, that again, the same thing is that shards. There was explosions going on, and shards of metal went flying up into the rotor and knocked the helicopter right out of the guy and it killed Vic Morrow and the two kids. Boy, this is getting gruesome. <laughs> yeah. Let's go back and talk a bit about MASH. How's that? <laughs> okay, yeah. Leslie, well, now we got, we got way off on. So, so back to 20th Century Fox Ranch, what was so interesting is that um, – they did Towering Inferno at at the ranch. They did uh, the television show Planet of the Apes at the ranch. So you would have to drive to or be transported to certain areas of the ranch where certain sets were. And and like I say, in this case, uh, they had the MASH unit. So, so, so because MASH you know, was such a long-running show... Was that was that a standing set that was there for ten years? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I read maybe last year that there might have been. I I believe there was a fire at the at the ranch and 
it's burned all the sets now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, like I say, I mean, how many years ago, well, MASH is years ago already, but if you go before MASH to uh, Towering Inferno, like I say, the top of the building, they they had that out on the all down out at the uh, ranch, and you know they they just abandon things. They don't necessarily take them away. So so if you're walking around the ranch, you know here's the top of the building from Towering Inferno. <laughs> wow! So like, when you and, when you were on that, did like, you actually um? When you were on MASH, did you actually get to go in the mess hall or maybe Father Mulcahy's tent or the operating room or any of the actual sets that we see on TV when you were on the show? No. Now, those would be on a soundstage. I mean, you know, the outside of the buildings would be at the ranch, but but anything indoors would be like at 20th Century Fox in near near Century City. So, you know, like I say, the outside things like the crutch race, the piggyback race, were filmed out at the ranch. Um, if you were to go into Father Mulcahy's tent or the mess hall or anything like that, that would be filmed at the movie studio, which, which would bring, brings us back to Star Trek is that um, uh, uh, it was interesting that uh, um, there was some talk on everything Star Trek about to the death. And uh, for some reason they had posted the picture where Avery is touching my neck on my dead body. That was <laughs> Oh, that was a hard day. I was supposed to do a stunt, but but we lost the light, and 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 Dennis Madelone, the stunt coordinator of Deep Space Nine, said, "Lay down here, Leslie." <laughs> so I I had to do I had to be a dead body, and Avery touches my neck and says some kind of line about well no someone says we lost Ramirez, too. That's also not not T W O T O O, um, and and I forget what his dialogue was. Hey, I was dead. I wasn't listening. <laughs> but but we filmed it at Griffith Park, and that's what I'm saying is we lost light, so we couldn't do all the stunt work that day. Um, then what happens is they look at dailies. And they realize that they've only done a really wide shot of of Avery touching my neck and this person talking to him. And they're really missing what they wanted was an insert of his fingers touching my neck. They wanted a close-up of, of just that. And about a week later, they recreated the dirt, the scene on the soundstage at Paramount. And I had to come back in, lay down on the ground, now on the soundstage, and Avery is touching my neck and I had to say the, the lines. So actually I got two two days of work out of being a dead body. So so did what did did 
Did Avery touch your neck and say, he's dead, Jim? Avery w- was wonderful to work with. He he was, he was uh, you know, again, like I say, I, I'd rather not say, well, I guess I don't necessarily have any bad experience where, where I'll say someone said something snotty or snooty to me, but but there were just certain people that were just so wonderful to me, which they didn't have to be. I mean, like I say, I, I heard I heard stories where where you know uh, like like if a stunt double walked on the set, um, the the actor would walk off the set. You know, would go to his dressing room. Avery. Avery was not that way. Avery was just really wonderful. Um, I maybe you can quickly come up with the name of the episode, but where he was a Klingon, where he was infiltrating uh, the the he was like in the Klingon hall. I mean, there was a there was a group from Deep Space Nine that were dressed up as Klingons. Is that I walked on the sound stage one day, and I hear. The, I hear this person go, hello, Leslie. <laughs> and I look, I turn around. Now, most of the time, I can look what I'll call through the makeup and see which stuntman is is talking to me, whether they're a Jemadar, whether they're a Klingon uh, or Cardassian. I can usually tell who the person is. But I turn around and this Klingon is saying, hello, Leslie. And I'm looking at them, and I'm I'm just not seeing who it is. And it turned out that and and not to not to (laughs) not to ruin your story there, Leslie. But we have to take a station identification break. When we get back, Leslie's going to tell you who that Klingon was that said hello, Leslie. Don't go anywhere. Don't touch that (laughs) dial. We'll be right back after this quick break. Hi, this is Jamie from Check Talking, here to invite you to join us for the best sci-fi themed podcast. Our elite team of Trexperts are here to discuss Star Trek and sci-fi themed content. Call 646-668-2433 Thursday nights from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Eastern Coast Time. We can't wait to hear from you. Live long and prosper. And we're back. Um, welcome to Stunt Trek, episode number three with Leslie Hoffman. And Leslie was just telling us a story about a Klingon with a very deep voice that said, Hello, Leslie. And she's about to tell us who that mystery Klingon was. Go ahead, Leslie. Who, who was oh. it? Well, it was it was Avery. They had, they had had him dressed up for the Klingon scenes. Um in the Klingon Hall, and and like you say, I, I maybe he was doing that to everybody, but but again, it's it's just so nice when when a star can say hello, Leslie, or they or they recognize me, <laughs> but this time I didn't recognize Avery. So Leslie, were you dressed up as a Klingon as well, or were you just hanging out there? Um, I'm trying to think. I think I was just hanging out that day. I, you know, it's that 
well, Dennis was there, and my friend Tom Morga was there, and so I I would come down to the set to watch them work, and and you know I just walked onto the sound stage, and this Klingon is saying hello to me. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> it's savory. Now you know, or or, or it's savory. <laughs> you know, you just. But now, um, speaking I, of Klingon, though. Um, we have a uh, well. Actually, you have an announcement to make. We're gonna have, we're gonna have a Klingon on the show with us. Why don't you tell our listeners uh, a little bit about that? Uh, a stunt woman that I worked with several times through the years uh, is Spice Williams or Spice Williams Crosby. And uh, we're hoping uh, she she has said yes, and we're hoping at the end of February that we will have her on the show as a guest to talk about uh, the movie Star Trek V and what it was like to be a Klingon. And I personally am psyched about this because I think I'm one of the few Star Trek fans that likes that. I love that movie, actually. Charles, uh, did you like Star Trek V? It was all right. It's not one of my favorites, but I've, it's a Star Trek movie. I enjoyed it. It's been a while since I've seen yeah, it. Yeah, I thought that it felt the closest to a TOS episode of the movies, and I love it. And I love the wild look of the Klingons in that movie and um, the fact that they actually spoke Klingon. And I'm really looking forward to talking with her about Klingons and whatnot. So it's going to be exciting. So, um, Leslie, did you work on on any Star Trek projects with Spice? Oops. um, Were you asking if I worked on any of the movies of of Star Trek? Yeah, did you work on any, like, was, was she ever on Star Trek with you when you had to do a stunt together or at the same time? Oh, um... Well, actually, she was my safety on the episode Rocks and Shoals, which which we were supposed to talk about last week, except that I fell asleep for, and didn't call in until about 20 minutes into the show, which I still can't believe that I did that. But, uh, yeah, she was my safety on, uh, on Rocks and Shoals when I had to jump off the promenade, the second floor of the promenade, um, Dennis just is probably one of the safest stunt coordinators around, and uh, and you know he didn't want as I guess I guess you could argue the fact like I really doubt that she's going to slip off of the uh, second floor before it's time or anything like that. I mean Dennis just made sure that. Uh, well, I say he had hired Spice that day to to kind of make sure that, that I wasn't going anywhere until they called action. <laughs> but we worked on a, a music video together, and I don't know, those those two come to mind real quick. But I've known Spice for years. <laughs> So when that you means, were on, that when, means when I don't want to say how many years. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So uh, when you're on rocks and shoals and you, you had to plunge off the second uh, level of the promenade, uh, what, 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 what was the stunt that you were doing and how was she protecting, how was, how was she making you safer by being there? Well, Did, was yeah, she at like, the bottom to catch I'm, you? No, no. Uh, she was at, like I say, she was on the second floor with me. So um, I stunt doubled Gyalfum uh, when she said, evil must be opposed. <laughs> I don't know why. That line just sticks in my head. That's <laughs> just the way she said it. Or, or she has, she's French. And maybe it was just the French accent, or but uh, so like I say, I doubled Veda Gyalson when well she committed suicide. She had a rope tied around the railing of of the promenade on the second floor, and and supposedly jumped and hung herself. Um, and Spice was like I say up up on the second floor with me, just to make sure because when well, in other words, as I got out to the outside of the railing, you know, Spice was there to make sure that I didn't slip or fall or, you know, just not that she was holding on to me or anything like that, but just if if she saw that I was starting to slip or something, you know, that's what a safety is, is that you don't necessarily have them doing something, but they're there just in case something does go wrong. So, so like you say, Spice was up on the second floor, just kind of, well, I'll call it spotting me as, as I was um, stepping on the outside of the railing and setting up to, to do the jump for the stunt. So that's, that's what Spice was hired to do that day. But uh, well, I don't. Do you want me to continue continue on with the stunt? Oh, absolutely. Oh, okay. So, so another safety issue was, like you say, that she's jumping and hanging herself. Um, the rope that was tied around the railing was not the noose that was around my neck. That it was two different pieces of rope. They, they, the one that was from the railing, they taped to my back, and the noose that was around my neck, they taped. Well, they also taped that to to my back, so you wouldn't see that it's two different pieces of rope. But, but to the camera, to the audience, it looks like like it's this one piece of rope going around my neck, and as I jump, you see the rope, you know, unraveling, and and then getting taut and and actually the rope like I say the piece of rope that was from tied to the railing actually would break away from my back. You know, it, the the tape would come loose once I was beyond that length. So that that was a safety issue. I mean if, you just don't jump with a piece of rope around your neck, you know, tied to a railing. Um but the unique thing about this stunt was uh, usually when a stunt person does a high fall, they land on their back. But the point was is that she was committing suicide and she's jumping 
straight down. So I had to jump to my feet. So Dennis had this porter pit like uh, pole vaulters have. And on top of the, the pad, we had cardboard boxes because if I were to jump straight into the pad, I would my knees would bend and come up and hit me in my face or something. I mean, you just couldn't go straight to a pad. So by having these cardboard boxes on top of the pad, I was able to jump straight-legged into the cardboard boxes and and then, you know, then the actual pad stopped my fall. And... Um, well, the other thing is it was filmed in slow motion. If you watch that scene, uh, you you definitely can see it's me because the camera, I say, is in slow motion. And so it's, uh, or at least for me, I'm visible when I'm doing a stunt or 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 watching other shows, uh, stunt people are very visible to me. Is that, you know, I'll watch a movie, I'll see, I'll go, oh, that's, uh, you know, that's Tom or that's Dennis. I guess there's a stunt coming up. And sure enough, in the next scene, <laughs> they're getting shot, killed, stabbed. Anyway, so back to, um, so they, uh, one of the times, I think we did the jump three times. And maybe the second time we were doing the stunt, like I say, it's a high-speed camera, which creates slow motion. So the camera goes, I mean, that's really the sound that you hear. And they yelled action, and I leap off the, you know, I step out off of the the promenade, the second floor promenade, and I hear this, (laughs) the camera jammed. It's It's like Looney Tunes. I wish... I wish I could just stay up in the air and step back on on the uh, promenade, but that's that doesn't work in the real world. So, like I say, I heard the camera stop, but I already was midair and on my way down. So that's why we had to film it a third time. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's like, oh yeah. <laughs> um, but then they wanted. They wanted the feet coming into camera, you know, to show that she had hung herself and her hat falling off uh, to the side, hitting the hitting the floor. And, well, they asked me, so what they did is they created sort of like this trapeze for me to hold on to. And on the action, I just would, uh, you know, how do I say? I'm not sure how to say. Is that, in other words, I was straight-armed above the trapeze, and on action, I would drop down, still holding on to the trapeze, and my feet would come into camera. And they said, well, do you think the hat's going to come off? And I'm going, oh, yeah, sure. You know, I'm sure the, the, you know, the minute you hit the end of the fall, the, the hat would come off. This hat was so heavy when I did it the first time, it just went lower on my head. I mean, that's how heavy this hat was. So so they, they again, we had to film it a couple times, and they finally had a prop person drop the hat as I would drop myself down, and that's how they created that scene. 
<laughs> wow. <laughs> well, <laughs> guess what, yeah, Leslie? No, <laughs> we we have come to the end of another stunt track. Can you believe it? No. Wow. Wow. And as <laughs> you said, we're we're up. This is the finish of episode three. Yep, this is episode three. Next week will be Stunt Trek episode four, same bat time, same bat channel, 7 to 8 o'clock next Sunday. The phone number is 646-668-2433. You can call just like Charles and talk to Leslie live and on the air. You can also get in touch with Leslie on the Leslie Hoffman Appreciation Organization Facebook page, and Leslie will answer you back personally. Charles, do you have yes, any last words to say uh, to Leslie before we say goodnight? Thank you, Leslie. The conversation's fascinating. I'm I'm one of those fans. I love behind-the-scenes stories. So um, I, just hearing all these stories is fascinating. If you I, I really more, appreciate it. I it was it was so much fun talking to you. Well, talking to you on Facebook and talking yeah. to you in person now. Um, yeah, people just there. There's so much more to you watch a movie or you watch a television show, and there's so much more that goes on just to get two seconds of a of a, of a shot. So I love talking about it. Uh. Oh, I definitely would love to hear more more shows you've seen, get more stories of things you've done, the the movies you've the movies you've been into, the things you've been involved with. The stories are fascinating. We want, I can't wait for more. Oh. And you're going to get more well, next life. week on episode four. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what are we going what are we going to talk about next week, Leslie. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Well, I'll I'll have to look at uh the the different episodes and and uh uh maybe we'll talk about bada bing bada bang. That was a good that, one. That has a lot. I was I I was the assistant stunt coordinator on that and and I also was at the production meeting. So so that's that has a lot of wonderful behind the scenes stories that episode alright so you heard it here live people next week Stunt Trek episode 4 with Leslie Hoffman bada bing bada boom make sure you tune in oh, there's that lady telling us the show is over make sure you tune in next week same bat time same bat channel be good to each other be safe thank you very much Leslie have a great night and thanks for calling in Charles we really appreciate it Good night, everybody. Thank you, Thank you Jim. Thank Good you, Charles. Good morning, Robert. Let's see what's out there. Engage.